Welcome to the podcast of Koinonia Okotoks Youth. Thank you for joining us as we study the word. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thank you guys for joining me this morning. This morning, we're going to be studying through 1 Kings chapter 15, going from verse 1 through 32. So while you guys turn there, uh, I'm going to go over what we learned last week. So last week, we saw the end of Jeroboam and the end of Rehoboam, right? First, we saw that Jeroboam was unrepentant as per usual, and that he sent his wife to do a job that was his. Right? Jeroboam's son became sick, and he sent his wife to Ahijah to ask for healing instead of going himself. The second thing was that Jeroboam told his wife to disguise herself. Of course, this didn't fool Ahijah because God had informed him that she was coming. Right, So don't pretend to be something that you aren't, especially in front of God. Don't try to hide parts of your life from him. It won't work. Right? Be an open book. The second person we looked at was Rehoboam, right? And we saw how the nation drastically fell under his reign, right? They went from the gold age to the bronze age, right? And although this happened, we see that it wasn't fully Rehoboam's fault, though he was at fault, right? We also saw near the end of his life that he there was a glimpse of repentance, which is more than we ever saw from Jeroboam, right? That was the difference between the two kings, right? Rehoboam was repentant near the end, and Jeroboam showed no repentance ever. So this morning, we're going to be looking at three, uh, three other kings. The first two are going to be kings of Judah, following after Rehoboam, and then we're going to look at uh, Jeroboam's successor, Nadab. So let's pray, and then we will dive on in. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for everything we can learn through it. I pray that as we go through 1 Kings chapter 15 and look into these three kings, Lord, that we will uh, learn from the mistakes that they made. Lord, may we get practical application from their lives. Lord, I pray this all in your name. Amen. So, um... First thing is first, we won't be going into great detail about this point that I'm about to make, um, but at the time of the first two kings which we're studying, so that would be Abijam and Esau, um, Jeroboam is actually still alive, though we studied his death last week, these two reigned while he was still alive. So we're not going to really mention him much other than that. So... Looking first now, with that out of the way, at verses 1 through 2 of 1 Kings chapter 15, it says, In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, son of Nebat, Abijam became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Makkah, the granddaughter of Abi Sholem. So, the first things pointed out here are that he is reigning while Jeroboam is in his 18th year out of 22, and that his reign was a mere three years. Now, there's an there's another thing uh, pointed out here that I find interesting. Uh, we're not going to go crazy in depth 
with it, but in verse 2, we see it says that his mother's name was Maka, and she was the granddaughter of Abi Sholom. Uh, Shalom. So, Abi Shalom is actually Absalom. Right? And Maka was his granddaughter and was Rehoboam's favorite wife. I find it both interesting and creepy at the same time because that means Rehoboam was related to his wife. So that's kind of creepy. Like, for us, it's creepy. For them, it's creepy, but less so. You're trying to keep the same line, but still creepy. Um, like I said, not focusing into great depth on that. But I want to focus on the fact that Abijam only reigned for three years. Now, it was it is obvious that God didn't bless his reign, seeing as it was only three years. But we also see in verse 3, it says, And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, and as was the heart of his father, David. So, remember that Solomon, he brought idol worship into, the, into Israel, right? He brought it into the land by marrying foreign women. Not only did he bring it in, but he also partook in idol worship. He sacrificed. Remember, the worst of the worst was sacrificing to Molech, which he brought in, he introduced. Right? Then we also, when we moved from Solomon, we saw that Rehoboam, he too, did not uproot the idolatry. Right? But instead, he dove headfirst into the idolatry. He did more than his father had done. Right? He led the nation towards perversion, to depravity, and idolatry. So after seeing both Solomon and Rehoboam, of the lineage of David fail to keep God central, we now turn to Abijam, the next in line, and we see he does the very same thing as his father and his father before him. Right? He did not uproot the idolatry. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. One commentator, he put it this way, saying, His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God. As was the heart of his father David, this was the real problem with Abijam's reign. His lack of real personal relationship with God. Right, so the exact same thing I could say about Solomon, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, and Abijam. They had no, uh, they had no personal relationship. So where's your relationship at? Do you have a relationship with God? Is it a personal relationship? Guys, because remember, Solomon, he led the nation to prosperity, but he didn't have a relationship with God. He turned from God, right? They were told to keep my commandments, keep my statutes, walk in my ways, as your father David did. So far, we have not seen a king who's been able to do that. Right? So, moving on, looking at verse 4 through 5, it says, Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his, Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem. Because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter 
of Uriah the Hittite. So, of course, David wasn't perfect, right? David is the measuring stick, right? But he he still wasn't perfect. The one instance brought up incident that was brought up here is the Uriah incident. And if you guys are or don't know the incident, that's the same incident as Bathsheba. He saw her taking a bath. He committed adultery with her. They she became pregnant to cover that up. He tried to bring Uriah back to sleep with her, but he would not do it for his men were at war. So he sent him back. This is just a brief summary, but he sent him back and told the captain of the army to send him out into the thick of battle alone. And he died. So he basically killed him. Right? So that's the incident. And of course, David sinned, right? That's that the thing is David sinned. Right? And but although he sinned, his heart stayed loyal to God. Remembering last week how he lost his not lost his son there was punishment there was judgment for his actions and he took it by worshiping god and he listened he heeded his words and followed god right he he even wanted to build god a temple but god said no you have blood on your hands right so he wasn't perfect right but he still is the measuring stick he followed after god he was a man after god's own heart Right? He stayed loyal to God. You cannot say the same of the four kings we have learned about so far. Right? But luckily, God was preserving the Davidic dynasty for David's sake. And not because of his descendants' moral character. Right? I don't think they would have made it if God was working off their moral character. They would have failed. Jesus wouldn't have been born because of the line of David and all that. Like... It's all because of David's, uh, it's David's dynasty from God. It's for David's sake. He's the measuring stick. Right, so uh, lastly here, before we take a look at Saw, the next king, it says in verse 6 through 8, And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. Now the rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. So Abijam rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then I saw his son reigned in his place. So we see once again that it's told that there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. He goes on to add the fact that there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. If you're curious to learn about this war or read into this war, it's, there's a fairly detailed um, account in Second Chronicles chapter 13. But for sake of time, once again, we're not going to look into it this morning. Right, so after a three-year reign of Abijam, he rested with his fathers, making way for Asah, who hint, just a hint here, will be a pretty good king. Fairly good king. We'll see. So moving on, looking at uh, verses 9 through 11, it says, In the twentieth year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asah became king over Judah. And he reigned for four, reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name was Maka, the granddaughter of Abisholem, 
Esau did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father David. So there's remember the remember the two things that I pointed out about Abijam, right? The the first was that uh, his reign was only three years, and the second was that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. The reason why his his reign was so short was because he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But here we get the complete opposite with Asaph. His reign was forty one years. It's a little more than three. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Right? Now we'll be touching on uh we will not be touching on another king of Judah after this, after Asaph until his son, Jehoshaphat, because his reign over the next 41 years of Asa, the reign of Asa, there will be a lot of kings who come through Israel, and it'll be mainly focusing on Israel over the next 41 years. Right, so Asa, he becomes king, while Jeroboam, he's in his latter years, right after Abijam, his father, reigned for three years. Now, um, in his latter years, this is the 20th year of Jeroboam, and Jeroboam and Abijam had a war, which left him kind of, not bedridden, but like defeated, um, where he would die two years later. Um, once again, you can read that in Second Chronicles 13. But um, because Asa did what, did what was right, his days were lengthened. His days were lengthened. Remember the promise that God gave to Solomon, right? If you follow after me, right, he would give him wisdom, prosperity, all this stuff, and he would lengthen his days. He would give him everything he didn't ask for, because he asked for wisdom. Lengthening his days. And we saw that that didn't work out because Solomon died at a fairly young age for a king. What was it, like 60 or something like that? Like, that's young. Right, and we see that no king really has been lengthened their days. But we see here that uh, Asa, his days were lengthened. Right? So he's, because he's doing what was right, he's following after God. Right? So we see that it does happen if you follow God. Because God gave the command. So, um, it also means something to be compared to David in the good light. Right? The measuring stick. David was the measuring stick for the entire dynasty. And for it to be said, he had the same heart of da- heart as David was high praise over how he ruled. Not perfect, but had the same heart as David. That means ruling in a godly way. So looking, uh, moving on to verses 12 through 15, we see how he ruled. It says, And he banished the perverted persons from the land and removed all the idols that his father had made. Also, he removed Maka, his grandmother, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. And Asa cut down her obscene image and burned it by the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was loyal to the Lord all his days. He also brought into the house of the Lord all the things which his father had dedicated and the things which he himself dedicated silver and gold and utensils. So, the idols, which Rehoboam, which Solomon, had brought into the land, they were removed by Asa. 
This perversion, depravity, and idolatry, it was cast out. The only thing which he didn't do was remove the high places. And even though he didn't do this, he was still considered loyal to God all his days. Now, before we uh, talk a little more about this removal of idolatry, I want to briefly mention the fact that Maka was removed from her queen mother role. She was removed because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. Now, the queen mother role was a very presti prestigious role, right? There was some sway that she had with the king, right? Um, I can go into First Kings in a bit here, but basically, the queen mother, she kind of raised the kids up, right? She was raising them up to be the next king, training them, teaching them, uh, schooling them in the ways. So she had a lot of sway, right? So we can look at how Solomon dealt with Bathsheba as the queen mother. Looking at 1 Kings 2.19, it says, Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. She was, Bathsheba was the queen mother to Solomon, so she had some sway. She had enough sway to bring Adonijah, who was a traitor, towards Solomon for mercy. Uh, she had a throne. She got to sit at his right hand. She had the king's ear. So, of course, Asa removes Maka from this role because she's not doing what she should be doing. Right? She, ha she used her sway in the wrong way. She used it to advance idolatry when he was removing idolatry. Right? It was very, and it was also very likely here that she was also the queen mother to Abijam, and we saw how his reign went. Right? So, because she had been in idolatry, she was removed, and then Asa went ahead and destroyed what she had done. He burnt what she made by the brook Kidron in the Kidron Valley, which was the city's main dump. And I can't remember where it says this, but it's like an example of hell, that there's fire continually burning in the valley. Right? So, um, it was very serious. And he, he, he rooted it out. Now, before we, uh, we move on to the next chunk of verses... I also want to touch on um, touch on the high places that he didn't remove, right? There's two different accounts of this story. Um, I want to look at the second account of it. In 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 3, it says, For he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places, and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. So there's two different accounts, right? In Chronicles, we see it says that he removed the high places, whereas here it says he didn't, nevertheless, he was loyal. Now in Chronicles, the high places that they are referring to are all the high places that are connected to the foreign gods, right? To idolatry. He removed all those. The high places he didn't remove would be the same high places, uh, would be the high places that were dedicated to God. Right? Remember how before Solomon got his wisdom, he 
sacrificed on the high places because they didn't have temp a temple yet or a place to worship. So all Israel was worshiping on the high places. But God said, once the temple was made, you should not do that. You not should not do it. You are not to do it. Right? So the fact that they still have the high places is wrong. So Asa did the job halfway. Great on him for removing idolatry. Bad, bad on him for not rooting it out completely, leaving a little bit in there. Right? Because it can still pop up every now and then. But the fact is, yes, he did it halfway, but he was loyal to God. And he restored the utensils in the temple, and he removed idolatry. So, good on him. Now, lastly here, before we move on to a brief study into Nadab, it says in uh, verses 16 through 24, Now, there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. And Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took all the silver and gold that was left in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house and delivered them into the hands of his servants. And king Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabaraman, then the son of Hezion king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I have sent you a present of silver and gold. Come and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So Ben-Hadad heeded king Asa, and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. He attacked Ijeon, Dan, Abel Beth Makkah and Al Chinaroth, and with all the land of Naphtali. Now it happened when Bashah heard it that he stopped building Ramah and remained in Tirzah. Then King Asa made a proclamation throughout all Judah. None was exempted, and they took away the stones and timber of Ramah which Bashah had used for building, and with them the king them King Asa built Geba of Benjamin and Mitzbah. The rest of the acts of Asa, all his might and all he did, and the cities which he built, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? But it was, but in the time of his old age, his uh, he was diseased in his feet. So Asa rested with his fathers and was buried in the, with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place. I know that's a big chunk, but... What we see here is that here what we see mentioned here is the fact that there was war between Israel and Judah. Now that's going to be a consistent thing. There's always going to be war between them because there's either going to be like a good king on one side or a bad king on the other or it's just two bad kings and they're stupid. Like there's always going to be war. Right? Now, the king who initiated the strife here was Basha, was, uh, was Basha, king of Israel. Right? He set up Ramah so that the people couldn't travel to Judah or travel out of Judah. Now, um, you guys will be learning about Bashan next week with Aaron. Sorry, there's prob- there's not going to be a podcast episode um, because I'm not going to be here. Um, but those of you who are going to be there in person, you're going to learn about it next week. But I just want to mention that Bashan, uh, he was an evil king. And of course, he was trying to come against Judah and their godly king, Asa. 
Because that's what happens, good versus evil, right? We also see here that Bashaw is trying to show dominance because this was a consistent struggle between two nations. And he was trying to come out on top. So what he does is he tries to put economic pressure on King Asa and on the nation of Judah with a blockade. Now I'm not going to say Asa is going to do something brilliant here because he doesn't. He does something kind of stupid. Right? He takes the treasure they have and he sends it to the king of Syria, all the treasure they have left. And he gives it to him as a present if he withdraws, if he breaks his treaty with Bashaw. So it is clear here that Bashaw, he's not acting alone because he's being helped by Syria and Assad is trying to pay Syria off. Now, why I say Assad did so what I uh, why I say what Assad did was stupid is because he relied on Syria instead of relying on God. And we see the punishment or the react or the um, God's judgment on him because of this in Second Chronicles chapter sixteen, verse seven through nine, which says. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Esau, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubin not a huge army, with many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole land to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. So I'm saying he relied on on, on the world instead of relying on God. God was set up to do an amazing work here. And he didn't allow God to do it. Right? God always wants to show himself strong on our behalf. Right? If we're loyal to him, he always wants to, <laughs> to show himself to others by, um, by winning, in a way. Right? Like, he wants to show himself strong. Right? That nobody can come against his people. But he acted foolishly and relied on his own strength on the world. Right, so one last thing before we move on to Nadab uh, is this. Assad did well as a king. He was a godly king, but he still failed. He got rid of idolatry, but just not all the high places. And when there was an opportunity for God to do a great work, he trusted himself or the king of Israel, or of Syria, of Syria, not Syria. Right? He didn't allow God to do the work that God could have done. All right, so lastly now, looking at Nadab this morning, it says, first off, in verse 25 through 26, Now Nadab, the son of Jeroboam, became king over Israel in the second year of Asa, king of Judah, and he reigned over Israel for two years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father, and in his sin, which he had made Israel sin. So, to simply lay it out, Nadab was no better than those 
who came before him. Right? He did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he led the nation, just as his father did, to sin. Now, just as I mentioned earlier how David is that measuring stick for the kings of Judah, right? Like, oh, he he measured up to Judah to David. Oh, no, he didn't measure up to David. Like, he, he did evil, he did right. Um, we see here is that, what we see here is that Jeroboam is the opposite measuring stick. Right? Jeroboam will be used as the measuring stick for all the kings of Israel. David, he was a positive test, right? Like if you were measured up to David, that's a good thing. If you were measured up to Jeroboam, that's a bad thing. Really bad thing. Right? So to be mentioned that he did evil just as his father did. And he walked in the ways of his father is not a good thing. Right? And, and we also see simply that his time of reigning was was a mere two years. It's pretty bad. So, moving on, looking at verses 27 through 30, it says, Then Bashah, the son of Ahijah, of the house of Issachar, conspired against him, and, ba- and Basha killed him at Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines, while Nadab and all Israel laid siege to Gibbethon. Basha killed him in the third year of, the, of, As, of, of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. And it was so, when he became king, that he killed all the house of Jeroboam. He did not leave to Jeroboam anyone that breathed, until he had destroyed him according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his servant Ahijah the Shilonite. Because of his sins, of the sins of Jeroboam, which led he had sinned, and by which he had made Israel sin, because of his provocation with the, with which he had provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger. So what we see here in Nadab is that Nadab dies pretty quick, um, but we see fulfillment of the words of God to Ahijah, his his prophet, that Jeroboam's line was to be extinguished, right? Bashah comes in and he wipes out the entirety of Jeroboam's line. He didn't leave anyone breathing, right? And it also fulfills a little bit, I'm going to go into it a little bit, but like the fact that his sons didn't weren't buried, like we're going to look at that in a brief moment here. Right? He didn't leave anyone breathing. When God's words come to pass, they will come to pass exactly how he said them. Or how he gave somebody to say them. Jeroboam, he had the chance to become a lasting dynasty. The second great dynasty of Israel. Of the... Of... of Yeah, second great dynasty of Israel. Right? Of his nation. Of his chosen people. But he failed, and God destroyed him. Right, So here ends the first of nine dynasties in the nation of Israel, whereas Jer- Judah will literally only have the Davidic dynasty. There will be no dynasty that rivals uh, the Davidic dynasty. So the passage we s- we're studying this morning, it ends in verses 31 through 32, which says, now the rest of the acts of Nadab and all that he did, are they not written? 
in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And there was war between Asa and Basha, king of Israel, all their days. So, we see once again that the words of God come to pass through, through what Ahijah said. There is no mention of burial, and there is no mention of a family member to succeed um, Nadab. Because Jeroboam's line is dead. The dynasty that was meant to be lasting is dead. So in closing this morning, we looked at three kings. The first one was Abijam, or Abijam, right? He reigned for three years, and he failed to remove idolatry. He walked the same as the kings who came before him in evil. He lacked a relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. So my question when it comes to Abijam is this, how is your relationship with God? Do you have one? The second person we looked at was Asa, and he, he removed idolatry but left the high places. Nevertheless, he was loyal to God. But when opportunity came for God to do a great work, he trusted man instead of trusting God. So my question in regards to him is, do we trust God? Where do we put our trust if it isn't in God? And then the last person we looked at this morning was Nadab. His short reign was not a reign that was cut short, but it was a reign that was short because of God's promise that the line of Jeroboam would be cut off. God's word would come to pass. God's word, the thing that I want to point out, out about Nadab is that his word will always come to pass. You don't have to doubt that. When he promises something, he will come through on that promise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for the book of First Kings. Everything we've been learning through it, Lord, it's been such a rich study. Lord, I just pray that as we... Um, go today, Lord, that we will continually be seeking to have a relationship with you. Lord, putting you first in our lives, first and foremost. Lord, and help us to trust you. Lord, you are God. You know more than us. You're all-knowing. You're omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray that um, help us this, this week as we go, that we will keep you first. That we will be that light in the darkness to the world that really needs your light. Lord, I pray this on your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or concerns, we would love to get your feedback. You can message us on our Instagram or our Facebook page.